So AG Wrights did a video on what he called forced diversity and how it ruined his writing. And while I absolutely hate the title of that video, I actually agree with the points that were made, but maybe for different reasons? I don't know. But let's talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, my name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love. And yeah, today we're doing another diversity episode. Yay! Because we do a lot of those on this podcast, because it's something I think a lot about. So before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually talking to each other in real life. And that, after all, is why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everybody who's already done that. So yeah, just kind of jumping right into it. Yeah, forced diversity is a phrase that I absolutely despise. So I'm going to actually start there. I don't... I Now, I did a huge thread on Twitter. And when I say huge, I mean, like, it's got a lot of posts in it. Um, about this, the other... Yesterday. So I'm not going to belabor the point too much for those of you who have read that. But my problem with the term forced diversity is that it is a term used primarily by the alt-right and by people who want everything to be cisgendered, heterosexual, and white. And I don't think we do ourselves any service by using their language to say things, even if there are things that are worth agreeing with. So we need to be careful in the language that we choose. And so I don't approve of or like the term forced diversity because in most instances, I don't think it is actually true, and I don't think it actually applies. Because when I think of forced diversity, I'm, I think of somebody being literally forced to include characters in a story that they don't have to do. And when you actually listen to AG's video, when you actually watch AG's video, the examples given are not actually forced in the sake of, from the perspective of violence from an outside entity saying that these things have to be included in the story they're forced in that they were something that he felt he ought to put into the stories and so did to the detriment of the story as a whole now i where i agree with the concept that is here and i i look at this as woke tokenism because it happens a lot and it happens a lot recently with say disney movies where oh lefou is gay because of course he is and we're gonna have josh gad basically play a stereotype who runs around mincing in the background because that way you know he's gay and if you didn't 
catch it, we're going to have him have a brief, like, two-second dance at the end of the movie to make sure that you understood, because we're woke now. And I'm not going to go into the whole, all of the problems with woke Disney. If you're curious about that, um, Lindsay Ellis recently did a great video on the topic, and I highly recommend that you go check that out. But, yeah, th this is something that did... It didn't need to happen. I mean, you could make LeFou gay if you wanted to. You can make any of the characters, any sexuality or gender that you wanted to. But by doing it at the cost of just rote tokenism and stereotypes, you're not actually helping anyone. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a place for stereotypes. Some of the better comedies that I've ever seen actually play off the ideas of various stereotypes and show them as the ridiculousness that they are. So there is actually a place in writing for stereotypes. It's just not in all of your characters that are included just to prove that you, I don't know, collected all of the Pokemon that you needed to collect to prove that you're doing the right thing. See, to me, the bigger problem here with both corporate media and for independent writers and artists like myself is not so much the check your privilege meme that goes around from people that aren't often paying attention to what goes on in creative circles, though that can be an issue. It's actually a check your bias issue. You see, a lot of my early fiction has few to no females in it at all and when they do their side characters that don't really have much of a character and don't really have much of a plot i didn't do this because i hate women or anything i did this because in the background in my real life i was struggling with my gender identity and girly things female things at all made me feel weird because I had been actively trying to suppress my own gender identity for the vast majority of my life. So, yeah, that showed up in my fiction by me not including a lot of strong female characters. For goodness sakes, the only character, female character in my book, Shine Like Thunder, which I loved at the time when I went back and read it, she's literally there to take care of and cook for the men. That's kind of sexist. I didn't mean it to be that way. It's just I felt very uncomfortable writing Izumi. And so Izumi was just kind of pushed into the background. And that's where she ended up being. And that's horrifying to look back on now. Because I was struggling with my own issues. I was struggling with my own problems and not allowing myself to actually tell the stories that I wanted to tell with the characters that I wanted to have in it. I let my personal biases and my own personal issues dictate the characters that would appear in the stories that I'm writing and made the stories that I was writing worse in a lot of ways. And I think that's actually something that happens a lot more than people trying to shoehorn an LGBT character or a character of a different ethnicity of themselves into a story. Because we don't see our own implicit biases. One of the most interesting things I found from AG's video was when he said that 
his biggest pro- problem was he realized that he, all, most of the characters in his book were white and he's not. Yeah, that's something that we do a lot. We have implicit bias. And that's what we need to check is those biases that we have. Are all of our Asian characters good at Kung Fu? Are all of our black characters thugs and hood rats? If so, you you have a problem. And that's something that you need to fix. Not all of our characters should be white, cisgendered, heterosexuals. But at the same time, if we don't feel comfortable writing something that's different, well, we need to do our research to make them into fully-fledged, well-rounded characters. Because to me, there's nothing crazier than reading a story that has one gay character in it, or one trans character in it. Because, honey, we travel in flocks. We know that it's not safe for us out there in the real world, and wherever we are, we hunt each other down, and we find out who the others are in the region, and we gather together in a herd so that we can protect ourselves from the lions that are circling around wanting to do bad things to us. That's how it works in the real world. So only seeing one gay character in a story, that doesn't work well for me. Because even in major cities where it's a little bit safer, we still generally flock together. So where are the rest of us? If there's only one of us there, what did you do with the others? I know they should be there somewhere, but they're not. And that becomes a whole problem in and of itself. So that is kind of what we really need to be dealing with here, is not how we can force diversity into the fiction that we're writing, or even into the fiction that we're consuming. It's how are the implicit biases, the actual little things going on inside of our head that prevent us from writing characters that are different from ourselves, or that are idealized versions of what we think should be out there in the world, actually harming the writing that we're doing? Because that's the real problem, after all. This is where I could bring up some of the most misunderstood ideas that have been put out there to help people work on this. Things like the Bechtel test or the Makomori test. These were not, especially the Bechtel test, was not put in to be taken seriously. It's actually a joke in a comic. But it is actually kind of a helpful thing. Do you have more than one female character in your story? And do those two female characters talk about anything that's not a man? If not, well, maybe you should look at how your female characters are written. It's not saying that you have to have just enough female characters who have just enough conversations to qualify and thus be considered woke and feminist. That's not what it's about. It's a check that we can apply onto our own creative processes. Because, yeah, Hamlet would be much more interesting if there were more female characters in it, because the world of Hamlet and the insanity of Hamlet would be interesting seen from a different point of view. And in fact, I've read retellings of Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view that are fascinating. But that doesn't make 
Hamlet a bad play because it technically only has two female characters and all they talk about is men. And I don't, I'm having a hard time, I'm struggling to even remember if they have a scene where they talk to each other. Because that would be Hamlet's mom and, uh, and Ophelia. I don't even remember if they talk to each other. And that's a problem in and of itself, kind of. But we can either hand wave it away and say that's a product of its time, and it's very much a product of its time because it's hundreds of years old. But also, that's the story that got told. See, sometimes a story is what it is. You can you can go after my work, The Chain, for not having really any heterosexual characters in it. But that's the story that I wanted to tell. The story takes place at a drag bar. While you will find some heterosexual people working at such an establishment, and you will find them probably attending, most of the performers and other people that you're going to run into are going to be on the spectrum somewhere, and that's what you find in the story, because I wanted to write the gayest story that I could gay. And I did! <laughs> but that's the story that I wanted to tell. We can talk about its lack of diversity in that it really doesn't have any heterosexual characters. It really doesn't have any truly cisgendered characters in it. Everyone is kind of genderqueer to gender fluid to not having realized that they're fully trans yet. But yeah, that's just the way that it is. And maybe I should have tried to shoehorn more heterosexual characters into the story. But I didn't. And we can talk about why or why not, or whether it would have made it better or worse, or any of those things. But it, the most important thing for us, especially as creators, is to see that that bias was playing out in the story itself. The main reason that that story has exclusively LGBT characters in it is because I had recently been relegated to doing nothing but diversity panels at one of the conventions that I go to. And I just kind of had a moment of outrage. If you're going to say that all I can do is the gay stuff, well then, honey, I'm going to show you exactly how gay this gay can be. And I wrote that book, which had a lot of female readers, which was something that I didn't expect, but probably should have. Anywho. That's a whole other issue. Um, that's a whole other topic for another day. But yeah, this is the world that we live in. These are the characters that we're coping with. And learning to see your own implicit biases, learning to see what it is that you write, and figuring out why it is that you write the characters that you do. I write a lot of characters who wear masks, at least I used to, and I still kind of do. Why is that? Well, maybe it's because I often wear a mask. See, I have various personas that I pull out depending on the situation that I'm in because they make it safer for me. When I travel, especially when we travel long distance, I will, as much as it aggravates my dysphoria, grow out my facial hair because I find it safer on the road. Whether I actually am safer or not, that's a whole other thing, but inside my own head, that's why I do it. Learning to see those biases, learning to see why it is we do the things that we do, is so important. Yes, we should be writing character-based stories, and we should be writing stories that have in it the characters that they need to have. 
but we also need some kind of a system. And I'm sorry, but I'm not here to actually propose one that will tell us when we're neglecting to include characters that we could and should be including. You see, this can work two ways. I tend to write a lot of martial arts fiction, and because of that, I find myself very nervous including Asian characters into my work because I don't want that character to be seen as a stereotype. That is as harmful as including them just because they're Asian and thus they know Kung Fu. You see, we have to be careful why it is we do the things that we do. Because we could be harming our fiction either out of good intentions, which is what AG talks about in the video that inspired this episode, or we could be harming our fiction by not questioning why we're not including a more diverse cast. You see, diversity for diversity's sake doesn't work because we end up, like I said before, with woke tokenism. If you don't actually have an idea for the character, then you're going to rely on stereotypes and, well, they're going to be flat, hollow characters. But when you're creating a character, you should always ask yourself, what ethnicity should this character be? What gender should this character be? What sexuality should this character be? What would work best for them? And if your answer is always they should be cisgendered or heterosexual or white, and you're never finding yourself answering that they should be anything else, or if you are putting them as always this role, well, they're smart, they're efficient, and they know how to do math well. Of course, this character should be Asian. Ooh, danger, danger, Will Robinson. You have to start looking for these biases. They're there. They're inside your head. They're working against you all the time. And so we need to do better. And that's what this is all about. Learning to do better. Because we'll never do best. See, I hate this idea that one day we will achieve perfection. See, I, I have kind of a utopian streak within me, but I also know that it's a lie. Perfection is something that exists in our ideals and in our dreams and in our hopes and in, in our ambitions. It's not something that exists in the real world. The real world is not perfect. The real world has blemishes and scars and well, takes damage from the events that happen within it. The real world is messy. And as a result, our fiction should be messy. And it shouldn't be logical, and it shouldn't follow the standard rules that we think should apply. Our fiction should be human. And human stories are messy. They're cluttered. Characters make stupid decisions. Or at least they should because people make stupid decisions. In moments of stress, unless we're Spock, we're not gonna make the most logical decision that we could. So be mindful of why you write the characters that you write. I know I am. And please don't accidentally parrot right-wing talking points when trying to make a decent argument. That would make me happy too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this episode in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. 
If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. And if you have a buck you can throw my way, it really would help out a lot. In the show notes, you'll find a link to both the community support page and my Patreon page. The difference between the two is the people on Patreon occasionally get stuff. That is the way that I support everything that I do. So thank you to everybody who already does that. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's fine. But if you know somebody you think would like this podcast or just this episode, do share it with them. That helps out a lot too. I've got a lot going on right now and hopefully you're keeping up with the stuff over on World Anvil. I know some of you are because I'm getting comments and thank you to everybody who's trying to make it better. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.